Right, fired up. Deep breath, let's get after it. I think this is gonna give us a good buffer here. We're just gonna go like hell. And four, engage the go like hell. Bumper, 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 go that door. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good right now. Go, go, go. All you got now. Oh, he just wrecked us. Just you and him, bud. I'm all hard. Still there. Quarter. Clear. Clear all the way by half. No runs coming. Man, see better. Good morning, race fans. It is Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, and you are tuned in to Hard Charging. My name is Mike Bachman, and today is episode two of this NASCAR podcast. And as always, we are dropping the hammer every Tuesday during the 2021 NASCAR season. On today's episode, I will be breaking down quite an eventful race from the Daytona Road Course, from crowning our second straight first-time Cup Series winner to NASCAR uh, potentially breaking its own rules. We have a lot to discuss on today's episode. So without further ado, what do you say, ladies and gentlemen? Start your engines. A couple of housekeeping notes before we jump into this little breakdown analysis of this finish. Uh, the YouTube channel is up and running on Mike Bachman Sports. That is the name if you want to go check it out. We are uploading exclusive content that will be available only on the YouTube channel that you won't get on this podcast there, in addition to podcast segments that we are uploading throughout the week. So please subscribe to that channel for more exclusive content, and it is another way to better support me, better support the Hard Charge and brand. Super, super appreciative of all of that, and I think you'll be uh, pretty pleased with some of the content that's going to be getting thrown up there uh, in the future. So I really hope that you subscribe for that. Got playoff predictions, got some segments up already. So we are trying to hit the ground running over there, trying to get as much up as possible. So please go subscribe to that. And it's a further way to connect as well. So that will be throughout the week. And of course, this podcast dropping every Tuesday. So now let's jump into the race recap and let's talk about the O'Reilly Auto Parts 253. I want to start at the end of this race because we've had the chance to finally let it marinate in our brains for the past few days. And of course, I'm referring to the controversial caution that NASCAR threw with 14 laps to go. Chase Elliott was in full control of most of this race. And barring a caution was probably going to lock this thing up anyway. Christopher Bell was hard charging, <laughs> uh, but was not necessarily going to catch him. So Chase Elliott probably had this in the bag. And NASCAR felt compelled to throw the caution after we had some rain in the area. It had coated portions of the track, but not all of it. Sun was still shining, had a beautiful rainbow, was looking all pretty and nice for the camera. But did NASCAR make the wrong decision? So let's break this down now. Throughout most of this day, shockingly, we had dry conditions. You know, it was a total uh, 180 from last week. Uh, racing at Daytona. So that was a nice little breath of fresh air. We got most we got most of this race and we got all this race in barring that final caution. But this race was not necessarily too eventful. It was, in my opinion, much better than the first road course race that we ran last year uh, in the 2020 season. But, you know, it's still look, these cars are very tough to drive, especially on this track. That's what a lot of guys say. Um, but nonetheless, it was a competitive race, but it was dominated by Chase Elliott. He won the first stage, was leading every lap. Uh, Denny Hamlin was able to get up there after some cars got shuffled back into the pack. He won stage two, and then we were able to kind of get back to normal in a sense. Chase Elliott was uh, in the lead, full dominance there, and 
like I said, we had the rain come in. And the thing about the rain is that it only was coating parts of the track. It was not like it was an impending rainstorm. I mean, I was checking Twitter. I was looking at the radars. Uh, and there was really nothing showing significant precipitation near the track or necessarily in the entire state of Florida. You know, I get that these little cells can pop up and whatnot, but I mean, there was nothing of significance that I think the tower should have been worried about. Uh, but obviously they had different plans. But now I want to look at this per the NASCAR rulebook. So the NASCAR rulebook states that when the race starts and there's a caution for uh, weather, the NASCAR rulebook states that when the race is started under dry or normal conditions and NASCAR determines conditions are too wet to continue under dry condition equipment, NASCAR will illuminate the caution lights and or display the yellow flag at the start-finish line. NASCAR officials will announce the reason for the caution, period. This also goes into Section B, where it states that the rear flashing light must be activated on all vehicles during damp or wet weather conditions, and the series managing director will determine if the rear flashing light can be deactivated. One more portion here that I will read. It says that once under caution, pit road will be open on the command of the NASCAR race control. Upon the opening of pit road, vehicles may elect to pit and change tires, wet or dry, install wet weather condition equipment, and or perform any other permitted services, or remain on the track in their sole discretion. So there you have it right there. That's as it says per the NASCAR rulebook. And I want to go up and it says, when NASCAR determines that conditions are too wet to continue under dry condition equipment, and that's the big, uh, the big caveat there. And in the broadcast when this caution came out, I mean, you heard Larry Mack, Mike Joy, Jeff Gordon, and Clint Boyer, all of the above, discussing the track and saying how wet tires weren't necessarily going to do much because, you know, you need significant precipitation on the track for those wet tires and for that tread to be able to function properly. Otherwise, your car will be at much of a disadvantage uh, as opposed to slicks, obviously, on a dry surface. So... Teams came down pit road. No team changed uh, their their slicks for wets. And above all else, the rear flashing lights didn't have to be uh, illuminated. And windshield wipers didn't have to be used. So if that right there in the rulebook says that they must, the rear flashing lights must be activated during damp or wet conditions, which is why NASCAR threw the caution flag, because they deemed that the track was too wet to continue under dry condition equipment. So I think that right there just shows that maybe NASCAR was breaking their own rule. And who knows what the motive could have been. But I want to look at this now from this perspective and thinking about it, because we think back to last week and the absolute flop that the Daytona 500 did in ratings, you know, coming off of the worst viewed Daytona 500 in history, you know, started out pretty all right, but then we have a six and a half hour rain delay. And then we got, what was it? Like it was less than four and a half million or so. It was something around there. It, regardless, it was, it was garbage. And so did NASCAR feel compelled to possibly manipulate the ending of this finish to spike ratings? Because everything that I have just mentioned makes absolute no logical sense as to why they threw the caution as per the rule book. So is this possibly a way at once again 
tampering with the sport and the product for entertainment purposes. This has been something that I've been talking about for a while. I know that I've just been starting doing this podcast, but in previous projects that I've done and all that, this has been the one thing that I have been a stickler on NASCAR on and one thing that grinds my gears to a whole nother level. And the reason being is because we are prioritizing entertainment over the actual product, and that's not the proper way this should be carried out. NASCAR is a sport of tradition. It's grassroots, you know? It's all about that. And I don't know, man. It just feels so wrong uh, under the assumption that this is, you know, what has happened. Uh, We don't know that, and, you know, it would be silly if it actually was, but it's kind of pointing to, kind of, kind of pointing to it uh, in tampering with the actual product. You know, it's just, it's just wrong. And, you know, there are going to be boring races, right? We're going to have boring finishes. Uh, you know, on the bright side, Chase Elliott was in the lead, his most popular driver, right? Um, I just don't get why they felt the need to make this decision. And I understand that a lot of these decisions are split second. And, you know, NASCAR fans and everybody else are longing for NASCAR to be more consistent in making these calls. You know, but... It's just frustrating having to uh, having to continue to talk about this. Um, but even after that, I started thinking about last year. And I was like, light bulb. Do you remember the race at Texas Motor Speedway last year in the playoffs and talking about weather and NASCAR and maybe n- not using the rule book there as well. Because if you think back to that race at Texas last year, you know, NASCAR refrained from throwing the caution flag for for weather. It was obviously raining and covering the entire track surface. And then Kevin Harvick pancakes the wall. And, you know, the rest is history. Doesn't make, doesn't make it to the championship four. It has a lot of point implications, playoff implications right there. So... You know, what makes this scenario different from 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 the race at Texas last year? You know, why couldn't they have thrown the caution for rain then? Why did they feel so compelled to do it now when they should have done it then? You know, so it's put in both of all or it's putting all of those things together and, you know, makes you think. But regardless, you know, it's frustrating. Um but you know you're going to have these you're going to have these things and you know you're going to have these split decisions and we do want them to be consistent it's not a perfect world it's not going to be but it's just nothing seems to add up from making this decision to throw that caution uh that's just me and that's just based on all the evidence that I was able to gather and kind of you know let myself sit for a minute and think about it for a sec cuz you know it's it's something that I think we're going to continue to talk about the idea of, you know, entertainment over over product. You know, it's just we're going to have to we have to deal with these things. You know, there's a way to connect with with the, with people and to draw them to this sport by not making a quote-unquote boring finish, you know, more action-packed. That's just me. But nonetheless, I will say this Christopher Bell 
He drove one hell of a race car this weekend, and if it wasn't going to be Chase Elliott, it was most likely going to be Christopher Bell, so at least we could say that one of the top two drivers of this race won this race, and Christopher Bell now the second straight first-time winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. That I mean, it's such a cool thing this year, uh, starting off with the Michael McDowell win, and now obviously Christopher Bell getting his first career win. Christopher Bell getting his first career win in his second career start in his second full-time season. Every time he's won, his first race has come in the second start of his second full-time season across each national series, Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. So that's pretty uh, a pretty interesting trend right there. Um, but I do want to look at the top finishers, and I do want to you know talk about some of the some of the highlights of this race. There were a lot of drivers. Uh, that were really wheeling their cars there. And there was so much that happened that uh, made this race very, very exciting towards the end. So let's look at the top finishers here. And Christopher Bell obviously locking himself into the championship and I think really making a statement and possibly turning a lot of heads. You, re you remember, he was the ultimate choice over Eric Jones for that 20 car. And that 20 car, you know, ha hasn't made the playoffs last year, hadn't won a race last year. So it's looking to get back there. And Adam Stevens atop the pit box, once again, getting back to victory lane. And Christopher Bell, I don't think a lot of people thought was going to be that successful on a road course, but he came through and he was impressive, man. And as I said, I, he's, he, I believe has the chance to be the breakout driver of the year. And by that, I mean, winning at three, I think he could win three races this year, Christopher Bell, if he continues to show the speed, I think that. You know, 26 years old, got the year under his belt, now in top equipment and paired with arguably one of the best crew chiefs in the garage. Christopher Bell, I think, has the potential to win three races this year and be a threat long term in the playoffs. We'll see how it happens, but very, very impressive start for this young man. Joey Logano, um, near, near the end, you know, had to hold off Christopher Bell and I thought we maybe we were going to uh, see the second week in a row where Joey Logano throws a bad block and takes out the possible winner of that race, but nonetheless comes away with a second place finish. Denny Hamlin was strong all day as well, top three. I want to talk about Kurt Busch because Kurt Busch uh, surprised the hell out of me on Sunday. He drove really, really aggressively and was able to find some track position, led a few laps, but watching him from the lead graze the grass. And for one, how the hell did his splitter not get junked and that car didn't get junked? I mean, I feel like Kyle Busch was the only one this weekend where, and he had it at the, at the slightest bit uh, his, where the front of his car got junked from the grass. We saw Kurt Busch go through there. Uh, I mean, it was pretty, 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 pretty remarkable. We saw Chase Elliott go through there uh, and try and save, save that car towards the end when he got into it with Corey LaJoy for a little bit. Uh, but Kurt Busch putting together a solid finish. Great to see that one car up there. Brad Keselowski somehow with a top five. Uh, I felt like every time the camera panned toward him, he was either spinning out in the grass uh, or on someone's bumper because he had a real tough day, but somehow was able to salvage a fifth place finish. Shout out AJ Allmendinger, Michael McDowell, and Ryan Priest, seventh, eighth, and ninth. AJ Allmendinger probably going to be running more road course races this year as a result of this top 10 finish. He was really, really fast 
Michael McDowell started this race by overshooting turn one. He started on the outside front row, got caught in track position, and then just the way cautions panned out and things like that, he kept the car clean and was able to put together a top 10 finish. So that was huge for that 34 team uh, to be able to kind of ride some momentum off of their Daytona 500 win, put together a clean race. They were there at the end. And look at them there, top 10 finish. And Ryan Priest as well, second straight top 10 finish for a non-chartered team. That's got to feel so good for them. Uh, really, really impressive. And then Alex Bowman as well, rounding out the top 10. Very quiet day. Had to start in the back of the pack as a result of the Daytona 500 results and the qualifying order, but was able to work his way up. Thought he was going to be a little bit more active, uh, but obviously, you know, track position is really, really difficult, and we just see how pan or fanned out these cars get on this Daytona road course. So became difficult, but good to see the 48 back in the top 10. few more guys I want to just look down this list. Obviously, Chase Elliott getting caught behind in that final caution. His pit crew kind of let him down a little bit on pit road. Uh, and couldn't get himself up back there to challenge for the win. Obviously, probably the car to beat, but just wasn't able to get there. And then Kyle Busch is another one I want to I touch on briefly because Kyle Busch, my God, passed so many cars and probably deserves the hard charging award, uh, which maybe we could start, give, out the, give it out to the driver who... Uh, passes the most cars every race that could be that could be a little bit that could be a little something maybe we could do so why not give it to Kyle Busch because my god man he I feel like drove his way back to the top 10 from the back of the pack on three separate occasions somehow some way was able to drive that car uh after getting stuck in the beginning uh getting in contact with the whole Michael McDowell incident overshooting the corner so unbelievable drive from Kyle Busch and I just think that it's safe to say that he's back just based on that fortitude to be able to wheel that car through the field like that was really, really impressive. Uh, so good for Kyle Busch. Matt Benedetto finishing 37th. Man, this kid, I feel like we have so much expectations for him and we expect him to succeed on these road courses. But ever since joining Wood Brothers, man, I feel like has just been taking dumps on this road course. Uh, so I hope that this team is able to fix it and try and find some speed in this 21. Otherwise, they're going to be climbing a climbing many stairs uh, trying to get to the playoffs because now with Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, two eh, outsiders, Christopher Bell arguably not. You know, who knows, who knows what can happen. But those are some of your notable finishers. Christopher Bell getting the job done and a pretty eventful race all around. You know, it wasn't, Terribly exciting. Obviously, that caution at the end uh, did shake things up, and we had a lot of we had a lot of players that could have maybe made a move. But ultimately, in the end, it was Christopher Bell securing his first career NASCAR Cup Series win. The first time that a NASCAR Cup Series season has started a race with two first-time winners since 1950. So that is pretty pretty incredible stuff. And now looking ahead briefly, we are now going to attempt our first race at a mile and a half. So this is really now where we start to get into the feel of the season and really are able to see what these guys are made of. You know, we started with a super speedway, made it to a road course, but this is the first, you know, cookie cutter NASCAR track that we're used to seeing where I think we're going to be able to really start to find out who the true contenders are going to be this year. So there are a lot of names that I'm looking at 
uh, heading into Homestead. There's Kyle Larson, for example. How is he going to perform in this car his first time uh, returning to a mile and a half since his suspension? So I'm very interested to see how Larson does. Drove an incredible race at the at the Daytona Road Course, uh, might I mention. I totally neglected to mention his name, uh, but he was up there at the end, thought he had a chance of winning that race, but overshot the corner. Uh, had him back up onto the oval, and that ultimately took Kyle Larson out of his chance. But he was strong. So that five team is showing a lot of early speed, and credit to them, man. But I'm really looking forward to see what this team is made of come Sunday at Homestead. And I'm also looking at guys like Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick, two other individuals that love riding the top. It's going to be very interesting to see how this track changes over time as it gets cooler. Will weather be a factor as well? I believe this race kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern with coverage beginning at around 2. So will we see any rain delays as a result of this race? Uh, You know, that'll be another story to follow. And then I think that this will be the first real test that we're able to see out of some of these new teams, you know, most notably 2311 Racing, as well as Team Trackhouse. You know, Daniel Suarez at the Daytona Road Course was pretty solid, was hanging in the top 15, top 10. So we'll finally be able to really see what these teams are made of. I mean, obviously, everyone is staring at Bubba Wallace and 2311 Racing. I think a lot of people are really interested to see, you know, how that team is going to perform and you know, with Team Trackhouse as well, you got to believe that this team circled this race just because of the location. You know, Miami, Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305. I mean, come on. They got to they gotta be able to uh, try and promote this team and, you know, get a good finish this weekend. So that could be a story that we follow. And then Michael Jordan, Bubba Wallace, everybody is really, really interested to see how that team is going to perform and what speed they're going to be bringing to mile-and-a-half tracks. So there's going to be a lot to look at, and we just hope that weather won't be a factor. But we look forward to that race. Tune in this Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox, for the Dixie Vodka 400 at the Homestead Miami Speedway. That's going to do it for me here today. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Episode 2. Let me know your thoughts on the controversial finish from Daytona on Twitter. We're talking NASCAR on the daily over there. The link to that, as well as the YouTube channel, are in the description of this episode. Be sure to check out my playoff predictions, as well as uh, various podcast segments that will be uploaded there if you haven't already. And stay tuned for more content that will be uploaded throughout the week. And to close the show, as I mentioned on episode one, we are going to do a little bit of motivation uh, with the hard charging brand. It's all about living your best life, right? So uh, I want to share a quote that I came across from former Navy SEAL Jocko Willink the other day, and it reads, The temptation to take the easy road is always there. It is as easy as staying in bed in the morning and sleeping in. But discipline is paramount to ultimate success and victory for any team and any leader. This pandemic and this shift in our way of life can definitely force us into some bad habits. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was a victim of that myself. But we have to maintain our discipline. We have to maintain our accountability because it keeps us stronger and it keeps our mind sharper. And, you know, that's how we are able to get so much more out of life, right? So stop putting it off. Buckle down. Get it done. And above all else, keep your foot to the floor. Leave all the BS out the door, my man. And we will see you next week. I appreciate the support, and I will talk to you then. This is Mike Bachman, signing off.